Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Hello, and welcome to Marriage Helper Live. Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam, broadcasting here from Middle Tennessee on Blog Talk Radio. And if you are listening to us, we're happy to have you here. This is called Marriage Helper Live because this is the program where I try my best to interact with people where that you can call us and then uh, we'll listen to you. I'll listen to you since I'm doing the program by myself today without an assistant and we'll interact with each other for a while. Unfortunately, it's not a thing where I can spend a whole lot of time with you. In other words, this is not coaching, certainly not counseling or therapy. It's where I'll do my best to briefly try to answer questions as best I can about relationships. And it can be about anything concerning relationships. Now, quite a few of the people that call us call because they are having some kind of a marital crisis. And we are known for being experts in helping people deal with marriage crisis. And so that really is very understandable. But I'm happy to deal with any questions that you have about relationships in general. It can be about a relationship with your parents, for example, a relationship with your children, a boyfriend, girlfriend, any kind of thing. I'll be glad if I can to try to help by answering your questions, talking about relationships. Our telephone number is 657-383-0812. I'll say that one more time just to make sure you had a chance to write it down. It's 657-383-0812. And if you call just to listen, you can call that number, and sure enough, you can listen. If at the same time you really want to be able to communicate, in other words, we can talk to each other, then when that answer comes, when you dial that number, when it's answered, be sure to press the number one. And when you do that, that puts you in the queue so you can talk to our screeners, and then that can finally get you to us live on the air where we can talk about your question. And so we're going to start here by going to Illinois, and we're going to talk to a gentleman by the name of Andrew. Hi, Andrew. This is Dr. Joe Beam. How may I help you today? Hello, Dr. Beam. It's good to speak with you. Um, Thank you. I guess I have a question about uh, where to proceed within my marriage. Okay. Uh, My wife and I are separated, uh, going on about five months now, Mm -hmm. and... uh, Back in January, we had an incredibly positive interaction. Uh, understandably, then she withdrew, and I, uh, frankly, that's kind of par for the course. I completely expected that, where uh, we had only a business contact for about a month, and then she started reaching out to me again. Obviously, that was a, a nice change, but uh, following the advice of my attorney for uh, business, uh, <laughs> frankly, the way I said it, wasn't very smart. I was following the attorney's advice, but I don't know, just the way I the way I phrased something was res- my wife responded very, very badly. And so this is the first time since uh, the whole ordeal began that she's withdrawn because of negative reasons. And so I just wanted to get some uh, guiding principles moving forward about uh, basically how to proceed. Uh, my understanding okay. is that uh, basically kind of go back towards uh, just maintaining smart contact and, you know, continue working on mm-hmm. the course. Without asking, you, uh, without asking you what it was, because it, um, uh, since you were getting an advice from your attorney, I imagine it was some kind of a legal matter, and I really don't want to get into that because that's not my area. But can you tell me why you think she reacted so negatively to it, whatever it was? Um. I think she perceived it to be uh, controlling and manipulative. Uh, mm-hmm. And looking at it, I, I I could see that being the case. Um, in particular, mm-hmm. she was asking me for some financial documents, and mm-hmm. my lawyer had said, "Yeah, go ahead and give her a copy, but don't give her the originals." Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, hang on to those. And so, right. you know, that's basically 
but I didn't say, well, my attorney told me. Uh, I know you've often said, make the attorney the bad guy, and right. I, did, I didn't do that, and instead I came off as the bad guy. You know, I, I'm okay. sure I came across as trying to control her. Okay. Well, welcome to the human race, Andrew. <laughs> we inevitably, inevitably, we'll do something, and we look back at it, we think, you know, maybe I should have done that a little bit different way. And so I'm asking you not to get uh, too focused on one thing like that. Now, you said she took it negatively. Has she reacted to you since then in any way at all? Uh, she has sent me a couple of text messages uh, about uh, taxes uh, in particular. Uh, she'd still like to have the documents, and so it's, hey, when can I get these kinds of things? Okay. So how long ago did this um, event occur that made her angry? Uh, a little over a week ago. About a okay, week so it's relatively new. Oh, yeah, it's very fresh. Okay. All right. So at this point, there's really no way to know if it's going to have any kind of a long-term effect or not. And you do realize that it probably isn't going to have a long-term effect. Very, very seldom do people just latch onto one little thing like that and hang on to it forever. Now, typically the case, Andrew, is if somebody does latch onto one little thing like that, it's not really about that. It's about something other than that. So my guess is that what's going to happen is you're going to have more opportunity to interact. And, and as you know, since obviously you're speaking our lingo, so I'm, I'm pretty sure you understand the things we talk about. Smart contact doesn't mean no contact. It, it means, sure, you interact with each other, but any time that she doesn't feel that you're being manipulative or controlling or that you're whining or begging or pleading. And so my suggestion, my friend, is that, Rather than focusing too much on this and beating yourself up about it, just kind of say, okay, um, maybe should have done that a little better. I've learned. And when finally more communication takes place, be that warm, friendly, comfortable person. And, and if she just calls to talk, then do that. If she texts about it or whatever, do that. Sometimes I think I have given the impression, and I'm, I feel badly about this, that that smart contact means that you don't really communicate with them at all. And that's not really what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is smart contact is that you don't pursue, you don't chase so that the person feels that you're whining, begging, pleading, etc., And that when you do interact with each other, be careful that you don't appear to be manipulative and controlling. And so I'm thinking probably Andrew, what's going to happen is that you're going to get another shot at having communication with each other. And, and I'm, I'm really strongly encouraging you not to get too focused on this because then you'll start second guessing everything you do and you're going to be like walking on eggshells and that will actually come across pretty negative as well. So be confident young men. Now I'm taking it from the way you're talking that you still love this lady, right? Oh, of course. And I know that I'm not going to let, you know, like Jim always says, I'm not going to let an event, you know, define everything. Um, Good. I guess my primary concern there was uh, a couple of days after this happened, I did reach out to her. And, of course, perhaps it was still a little bit too fresh for her, but she was very icy in her response. And so I did not mm -hmm. want to push and Good. Uh, push. progress from there. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to, I guess, get verification that reaching out was probably a good move. And then since she's responding, still very cold, not to push further. Um, yeah. I think I, I think you're pretty well know what to do here. I mean, you're, <laughs> it's obvious that, you, that you've done a lot of thinking about this and a lot of learning about this. So I think you just keep on the path that you are now, and hopefully, as future communication takes place, even though she was cold on the last time, uh, just take it another day at a time. You know the things to do, my friend. I mean, I'm hearing it. You know the things to do. So I want to affirm you that doing it not quite so great one time or even a few times occasionally here and there does not necessarily derail the process. And it's kind of aggravating and you think, Oh, good grief. I knew better than that, but it, it doesn't necessarily derail the process. It's all about the big picture in the long run here, not that little event. So I hope you keep doing these things, Andrew. And if you, if you do, I'm hoping this thing turns out pretty well for you with time, my friend. All right. Thank you, Dr. Bean. I appreciate your time okay, today. Thanks. 
Okay, thank you. I appreciate you calling all the way up there from Illinois. It's cold here in Tennessee. I'm assuming it's pretty cold up there in Illinois. And then we have, I'm thinking this is going to be pronounced Tamika. She's from the state of Texas. And so here, am I pronouncing your name correctly, Tamika? <laughs> it's Tamika. Tamika, okay. I took yes. my guess and I was wrong. I am so That's okay. sorry. <laughs> How may I help you today, my friend? Okay, well, my question is kind of about reconciliation. My husband and I, we've been separated. He's moved out um, in October, and he filed for divorce two weeks ago. But in the last couple of weeks, he's been very, um, he's been responding positively to me. And we've had, you know, we've had spent time together and he's expressed that he could be open to reconciliation. But when I brought it up yesterday, um, you know, I'm like, what are we, what are we doing? You know, because we have this hearing that's coming up on the 11th. And he basically just kind of said, we're still in limbo. Didn't make a decision either way. So my question is, how do Okay, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I want to make sure I heard that right. When when you said, where are we? What's happening? I want to make sure I heard what he said. How did mm-hmm. he respond to that? He says, I think that I would, you know, I'd be willing, I could work on this and we could actually make this work, but I'm still hesitant. You know, he's hesitant mm-hmm. to come back because he doesn't want to come back if things are going to be the same way they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, I think he's still unsure at this point. Mm-hmm. And how do you like feel the, about that? It seems like when the more I initiate kind of smart contact and I don't, I'm not pushing about, um, you mm-hmm. know, pushing him to come back or do whatever, I, you know, then mm-hmm. he, 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 he draws in closer to me because I kind of pulled back a little bit. And then whenever he comes back looking for reassurance, if I'm still wanting to stay together and still want him to work on the marriage and he gets that confirmation, then he pulls back. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, is he manipulating me? Is he trying to be nice to me because, you know, he wants something out of the divorce? It's very hard to figure out where he is right now. Well, obviously, as you know, I can't tell you exactly what his motives are because I don't know him. But is that kind of behavior something that we would expect without it being manipulation, without it being trying to get something from you? I would say, yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, well, I cannot assuredly say, no, he's not trying to manipulate you. No, he's not trying to get something from you. I obviously cannot assure you that's not the case. But I'm saying based on what I'm hearing, it doesn't sound like it. Because it's not unusual for a person who is, if I may ask, what was the primary reason that you uh, that he separated, if you're willing to tell me? No, I'm willing to tell you. Yes, of course. Um, I, I had, a, I had a, an affair in September mm-hmm. um, of mm-hmm. last year, and he found out about it six months later. No, mine was in March, and he found out about it in September. And as soon as he found out about that affair, he started his own affair, and that lasted for four months, and he just recently ended that affair. Mm -hmm. And was it uh, a true vengeance affair? In other words, it wasn't really a very strong – I'm sorry? I believe so, yes. Yeah, it sounds like it. Vengeance affairs occur. Obviously, they're bad things for everybody, but vengeance affairs occur. And so I'm not going to say there's anything good about that, but let me tell you that something that's not as bad about it as if it had been a different affair. If he had been involved in an affair that was a very strong, deep emotional connection, it would be much, much more difficult for him to get past it. So while it's, mm-hmm. you know, terrible that the uh, vengeance affair occurred, at least that's the kind of thing that a person can get past actually pretty fast. Now, mm-hmm. so the, the situation you've described for me, I would expect him to be ambivalent. And, okay. uh, you know, it's a kind of a thing where, like, I'm, I'm mad at you, therefore I punished you by having my own affair, but now I kind of feel, and I'm not saying this is necessarily the case with him, I don't know him, but it's often, and now I feel bad because I've done that, and, and it makes me feel bad about what I've done. Apparently, he still loves you, at least to some degree, because of the fact that he says things like, maybe, you know, he gives a possibility. And, Typically, when a person is working through, well, he's actually going to work through a couple of things, if I may explain it. Mm -hmm. One is, obviously, when we hurt, we feel anger. And so the anger of what happened. But there's also a kind of a grief process that he goes through. The grief process process occurs any time that something that we held to be very important and valuable to us somehow is, is taken away from us. And so the fact that you, and I'm not trying to beat you up at all, I'm just trying to understand the fact that you had that mm-hmm. affair, 
puts him into a grief process. Now, he goes into an emotional, no, I'm sorry, a vengeance affair after that. That's also something for him to grieve because he's now also grieving, kind of losing his own morality, if you will, for a while. And so a, a person working through a grief process like this uh, I would be more worried if he instantly came back and said, I forgive you, everything is fine, let's put it together. Because then what I'd be worried about is what happens when finally all this stuff does bubble up, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that he's going it through it a little slowly right now. And when people are doing that, if the other person appears to be pursuing, then they often do pull back. Like maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe it's not smart. But, but what you're telling me is that when you are doing the smart contact kind of thing, and mm-hmm. and he's the one now that's making decisions about approaching you, then he does. In other words, what I'm hearing here Sounds to me like actually it's the best thing I could be hearing in this situation. Okay. If you're patient, if you are patient and just take this a day at a time and don't push, and there's a good chance, my friend, that this thing can work out because sure sounds to me like this guy still loves you. Now, he may be mad, okay, but it sounds to me like he still loves you. So just take it a day at a time. Don't push, but... Be there for him when he wants to talk. Be there for him. Okay. And if, has he gone to the thing yet where he's um, let you know how angry he is with you? Oh, yes. <laughs> and, yes. And if I may ask, how did you deal with that? I told him that I understood why he felt that way. Good. Good. Excellent. I mean, he does tell me he loves me. He does say, I still love you. Ah, awesome. Well, you've got a man in pain here. Is mm-hmm. is he a reader by any chance? Yes. I mean, he will read, yes. Okay. I'm going to make an offer to you, but you need to think it through before you decide to take me up on it, okay? Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can actually say these people's name uh, out loud on the air because they themselves, when they're on television programs, talk about this. And so I'm not violating any confidence. You remember the TV show that was on called Duck Dynasty? Yes. Okay. Do you know who Al was? Al was the beardless brother. Okay. Okay. Anyway, Al and Lisa went through a situation almost exactly like you're describing right now. Where that Lisa, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not I'm not telling anything out of school. They've written books about this. They talk about it on national television. So this is not like I'm telling a secret here. Uh, she had an affair, and then he he dealt with the anger over it. And Al tells people that reading a book that I wrote called uh, "Getting Past Guilt," which you would think would be only for the person that had done something, you know, like having the affair, but reading the book "Getting Past Guilt" opened his eyes. And was what turned it around where he figured out how to forgive Lisa and put it back together. And that's why they're doing so wonderfully well now. Now, okay. I'm not taking all the credit for this. You understand they, they did a lot of work. I'm just saying this book was a factor in it. If you believe he will read this book, I will send you a copy as my gift. The first thing I would ask you is you read it. Okay. okay. Then, then when the right situation arises, because you don't want to make it appear that you're pushing, okay? But the right situation arises. If he says something like, I love you, but I'm not quite sure about this, you could just say, you know, I was talking to Dr. Bean the other day, and he said that uh, Al and Lisa went through a very similar thing to this, and and he said that that book made a difference to them, and he sent a copy to me. Would you like to read it? And and if he says yes, then maybe it'll do the same for you. Or or just go into Amazon and get out of Lisa's book. <laughs> and you can read about their story if you wish. But if, if you will allow me to give this gift to you, all I'm asking right now is that you read it. Then if you okay. feel good about it, if the right opportunity opens up, you suggest it to him and see if he'll read it. And I think I think this might be able to help you move further. Would you be willing to allow me to give you that gift? Oh, I would so appreciate that. Okay. I want to do that for you. Now, I'm not sure if our our screeners are taking calls like crazy, so I'm not quite sure that our screener will get right back to you. So let me give you uh, our office number that you can call later this afternoon. Okay? Okay. It is six. Have you got something to write with? Yes, I do. Okay, here we go. It's Mm 615-472-1161. That's 615 
472-1161, say, hey, I'm the lady from Texas that Dr. Beam said you give the book to, and we'll send that to you. But what I'm saying right now is I think you're doing a good thing by not pushing. And based on what you're telling me, I've got a pretty good feeling about your future if you can be patient. Okay. And just keep going through the divorce proceedings as they are. I mean, it's really, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, so I just show up, (laughs) keep going. Well, to understand, and I realize that that's kind of a scary thing. And people are like, I don't want to go through this divorce. This is scary. I don't want this to happen. I I love this man. I want this marriage to work. I understand all that. But from our perspective, it's like, okay, that's just another step along the way. If it happens, it happens. But it does not necessarily mean this is over. I mean, in my own story, Alice and I remarried after we divorced. And we have dealt with many couples that had actually already gone through the divorce that that they put it back together and happily married to this day. And so I, I hope the divorce doesn't happen because I know it's just so traumatic, but that's not necessarily the be all end all right now. It's this patience okay. of being able to put this thing back together and, uh, and keep this good attitude. I'm hearing from you. You sound okay. kind of upbeat, actually. Are you? I am finally because I've been working through the course and I do work with one of your coaches too. So that has helped helped me tremendously because I wasn't always awesome. like this, believe me. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. If I may ask, which one of our coaches are you working with? Melody. Excellent. Wonderful. All right. Well, I'm going to send you this book. I'm, I'm thinking that this, I'm thinking you've got a good shot here, kiddo. Okay. Hey, I'm Thank on your you. side. I'm in your corner. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate okay. you also. You take care of yourself. Now, tell me how okay, you pronounce the name one more, not, one more time. It's pronounced? Tamika. Tamika. All right, I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Tamika. Thank you. All care. right, thank you. Okay. And now we're going to go down here to David from Alabama. Well, we've already been to Indiana and to Texas. Might as well come back over to the southeast now to Alabama. Hi, David, if I may ask, in which part of Alabama are you, my friend? Uh, well, right now I am in Madison. In Madison. Okay, so you weren't yes. down where the tornadoes were yesterday then? Uh, no, sir, not that far south. Well, I'm glad that you're safe. How may I help you, David? Well, um, I have a question, a little, uh, one question about cognitive dissonance, but I would like to give you a little background on my situation so you can kind of see the frame of reference. Uh, okay. About a year ago, my wife uh, left me, and um, a week after that, I found her with another man in a motel. And, okay, so uh, you... Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so, so you, uh, actually, you actually caught them? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, uh, exiting, yeah, um, the motel, yeah. Just tracked her phone and um, thought something seemed weird and uh, found them, you know, that morning coming out together, confronted okay. me. Anyway, yeah, so that that kind of blew all that up. That was the discovery of what uh, seemed to really be going on in the situation. And uh, I did the wrong things at first, and, you know, whining, begging, pleading. And uh, obviously that kind of pushed further away. And she said from the very beginning, uh, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore, the ever-familiar, you know, I'll always love you as the father of my kids, but... I'm not in love with you anymore. And uh, so I was very devastated with all of that and uh, have just a rough time. It's been one year. And uh, there was, uh, right now, we haven't spoken really since October. She came and moved all her stuff out. And honestly, it's just been too, she's been very mean, very cruel towards me. And I just emotionally can't take it. Uh, uh, I tend to make more mistakes than do any good when we interact. So I've had to give myself some emotional space. Uh, it's just very, been very traumatic for me. Uh, we've got four sons that all live at home. Um, they're older, 22, 20, uh, 17, and 15. And um, she's been very emotionally disconnected from them as well for the, pretty much most of the year. Um, she, of course, blames me, I'm domineering, uh, angry, uh, condescending, sarcastic, just uh, very hard to live with. You 
know, that's her story. And mm-hmm. I think there's some element of truth in some of that, but I think some of it is sort of rewriting her history and vilifying her, right. as you mm-hmm. said in your podcast very clearly. Um, so one of the things that she uh, talked about was, well, every day I was with you, I wanted to drive into a tree every time I saw one or a phone call. So it was very much... I wanted to kill myself. I was so miserable in the marriage, which has been very difficult for me. And uh, mm-hmm. so my question relative to the cognitive dissonance was that I did hear you talk about in a podcast before that that was one of the ways to resolve the cognitive dissonance. And I feel like she maybe has maybe felt that way, possibly. I don't want to invalidate that feeling, but I think I could, pinning it all on me, could be a little you know, inaccurate in saying that the marriage was that miserable. She may have perceived it that way. Uh, but I think it could have also had to do, in my opinion, with the fact that she's involved with another man while being married to right. me for 23 years and having four kids and how do I resolve that issue. So right. I kind of wanted some of your perspective uh, on that if possible. Okay. And is, as far as you know, is he still involved with the other guy? Uh, yeah, as recently as last week, she had lunch with my sister, and she maintains that it is a friendship only, which yeah. I think is hard to walk back from the experience in a motel to say we're only friends. Um, by the yeah. way, her story was we did not do anything. Well, her story was we only kissed, which obviously mm-hmm. I have a hard time believing that. And But to me, I mean, once you've already taken it to that stage, it cannot then only be walked back to only a friendship because you have the element of, you know, intimacy, mm-hmm. you know, with conversations. Right. She's been right. building on this friendship for a year or better, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have okay. secrecy, yeah. you're hiding it from your spouse. Right. And, and the last know, question I have is, not, yeah. the last question I have is, what age is she? Uh, 44. 44. 43. And this 43 or 44. Okay, that might be a, a little young for this, but here's the question anyway. As far as you know, has she started into menopause yet? Uh, as far as I know, when she left, no. No, she hasn't. Okay. She has not All been right, to then, the doctor. Okay. Well, that may sound like a crazy question to most everybody out there, including you, yep. but since she's probably not into that, I'm not going to go anywhere further. Let's go back and talk to then what you were talking about, about cognitive dissonance. Now, Give me a chance here, David, for a little while to explain cognitive dissonance to those listening who may not be aware of this. David has been, uh, obviously, based on what he's saying here, he's pretty knowledgeable at watching some of our uh, various videos that we have on YouTube. We also have videos on our website at Marriage Helper, that's marriagehelper.com. And we also have a ton of of, of audio podcasts that are out there on, on Spreaker. Uh, it's, actually, that's correct, Spreaker.com, and they're also on iTunes, and they're on Google Play. And so it sounds like David's pretty well educated in that he's listened to or seen or read a bunch of these things. But for those of you who are relatively new to this that uh, may not be familiar with that, cognitive dissonance is a, a phrase that's used in the psychological world to refer to people who are uh, well, the word dissonance means disharmony. It, cognitive means it has to do with how you think and feel. And so when a person does something that is in contradiction to or violation of that person's beliefs and values, then typically at the very outset, people do what's called compartmentalized thinking. And compartmentalized thinking basically says, I won't let myself think about what I'm doing and think about my beliefs and values at the same time. And therefore, if I can keep those things apart, then it doesn't really affect me as much emotionally in terms of dissonance. But even if a person can do some of that compartmentalized thinking for a while, even if they can, they can't do it for long. And so when finally you have to confront the fact that your beliefs and values are one thing and what you're doing is a contradiction, violation of those beliefs and values, then the dissonance occurs because it's like I am now in violation of who I am. You start losing your identity in a sense, and it's miserable. It's like I'm, I'm this person who believes and acts and does these kinds of things, but at the moment I'm not that person. I'm somebody else because I'm doing these things that are so out beyond that. 
and the misery that that creates this dissonance this cognitive dissonance we we are driven to somehow reconcile that now there are only two ways to reconcile that dissonance to get back to some kind of inner peace one way we do that is that we stop doing the thing that is in contradiction to our beliefs and values. We go back to our original identity. Now, that doesn't create instant peace because there's still some, some all kinds of things going on there. But it puts us on a road to peace that actually becomes and will eventually be a very good and deep peace because it's like I am me again. I'm back to the person I was supposed to be. The other way that you try to resolve cognitive dissonance is that you change your beliefs and values so that now this thing is no longer in contradiction to your beliefs and values. It's actually in harmony with your beliefs and values because you changed them. And so, for example, and again, David, I'm talking to the big audience here. So if you have a woman who is married to a man and she has four children, and her belief in value system would be, I need to be a, a faithful wife and a, and a good mother and all those kinds of things. And then she starts having an affair with some other guy, which now is a contradiction to that belief in value system. Then that cognitive dissonance starts taking place. Like, who the heck am I? What am I doing? It's messing me up. So if... If they stop and go back, like I said, it doesn't instantly give peace, but it puts them on the road to peace, which is a true deep peace. What David is saying, I'm saying this to the audience again at large out there, David, what David is saying is that what he believes that she has done, and my guess is that David is right. Obviously, I do not know the woman, so I cannot say for sure, but I believe that David's on the right path that she changed her belief in values to make what she's doing okay. And when a person does that, they change personality. They become a different person than they were before. And the reason is because our beliefs and values are so much a part of our identity. Now, to do that, sometimes we have to have within our own minds some justification. You might want to call it rationalization that makes that doable. And so when that occurs, typically it is evidenced by attacking, in this particular situation we're talking about now, in attacking the former spouse. Like you're controlling, you're demeaning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when I was married to you, I kept thinking I want to drive into a tree and all those kinds of things. Now, we would assume in a situation like this, and again, because I don't know David's wife, but we would assume in a situation like this that those things are said for a couple of reasons. One is it helps her to go to that different belief and value system. In other words, to abandon, I was the faithful wife and the good mother, to abandon that, to go to this new lifestyle, this new belief and value system that she's living, and helps to justify that without taking personal responsibility for it. Why? Because what she's doing is blaming me a lot of it on David. This is your fault. You drove me to this. And that becomes part of that justification rationalization process. Now, could some of those things have some truth to it? I'm quite sure, even though I don't know David, I'm quite sure that David is not perfect. And so would there have been times when maybe he was condescending to her? Probably. Were there times maybe when he might have been a controlling guy in some ways? Probably because human beings are flawed. But now these things become exacerbated. They become like massive. They're huge. And they get so strong that a person can actually believe. Yeah, when I was married to you, I, I, the only thing I wanted to do was to drive into a tree. Now, when we deal with situations like this, what we do is we suggest strongly to people in David's situation. Hear her, but don't believe her. Now, let me see if I can explain that. Could there be some truths in some of the things that she's saying? Yes. Does she believe they're true? In all likelihood, she believes it to the nth degree. But it doesn't necessarily mean it is true, because it could very well be, and in all likelihood is, part of this psychological process of resolving the cognitive dissonance where she doesn't feel guilty for violating or even changing now, changing the former beliefs and days. Now, David said not only is she having nothing to do with him, but as you heard, David, she's having nothing to do even with her grown kids, which is pretty good evidence. And again, I'm having to speak speculatively because I don't know her. 
but it's pretty good evidence that she really has indeed changed her beliefs and values and become a different human being, a different person. If at some point she goes back to her original beliefs and values, she can become the woman she was before. So back now, finally, to you, David, after I talked to the big group for a while, and I apologize for that, I think that you're right. My guess is you're correct. I am quite sure you're not a perfect guy, and you probably have done some crappy stuff because everybody does crappy stuff. But it surely sounds to me like it is exacerbated to the nth degree. And if she, she couldn't have been living for 20-something years thinking the thing that will make me happy is to drive into a tree because she kept having babies with you. <laughs> now, that's not the be all end all, you understand? But, but that's a pretty good sign that you've lived together in at least some kind of marital harmony for many, 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 many years. And so I'm, I'm with you that she says, okay, even if she says we're just friends, even if she says we only kissed, it surely appears to me that the connection that she has with this guy or with something is strong enough that it has helped her change personality. Am I correct with that? Well, it is. Yes, sir. She is, you know, people who are the closest to her, this is a different person than I've mm-hmm. known for the last, you know, 20-some years. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's even some precipitating uh, things. I've listened to your podcast on Midlife Crisis where um, the summer, June, before she left me in February, so you have a six-month or so period there, where um, – she was super emotional when my our second son was his senior year in high school. Like every ball game, every last game was a crying event and all that. And then that, of course, he graduated in May. And then in June, I lost an uncle that was like a super uncle, like uh, a father figure to me and her both. And I sort of think there could be a combination of things going on with that where maybe a group medicating possibly and then the involvement with this guy which was somebody she actually knew from high school that Mm -hmm. I'm not sure she dated but he liked her and maybe she did or didn't date him some before we were you know coming together there after she graduated high school so it's like this reaching back to her youth David I think that she's changed Mm -hmm. I think you're probably on track with all of those things the reason I'd ask you, for example, I mean, she's kind of young for menopause, but the reason I ask you if she potentially started menopause, when people start having a loss, and you say menopause is a loss, not for every woman, no, but some women actually start feeling a sense of loss when they come to the realization that they're not going to be able to have babies anymore. I'm not saying that's true of all women. It's certainly not. But it, us, it is true of some women, and that's why I was asking about the menopause. What I was asking in a, in a vague kind of way was, has there been any significant loss or sense of loss? And you just gave me a couple. Okay, son graduating, she's crying for all that, close person to us, all of that. And the very fact that she went to somebody all the way back from, uh, from when she was a teenager to hook up. David, you know, obviously I cannot make diagnosis. I don't know your wife, okay? But my friend, I think you're guessing pretty close to probably what's right through all of these things. Are you a psychologist? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, sir. I mean, I guess a quick study perhaps. And uh, I've spent mm-hmm. one year doing nothing but listen to hours and hours of podcasts and trying to, you know, work on my own self. Eyes, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to learn. I care about her. Mm-hmm. I love her. I wish she wasn't doing this. It's very, very painful. I mean, I lost mm-hmm. 40 pounds in the first two months that she left. Wow. I mean, it's just we were... Uh, I mean, I could go into like, great detail about our relationship and our love. And I mean, right. you know, at our 22-year anniversary, she talked about how I was her best friend, how it was the greatest 22 years, how lucky she was to have met me and found me and yeah. for us to have these great children together. And then at 23 yeah. years, all of a sudden, boom, you know, here we yeah. are. And it just uh, devastated mm-hmm. So, David, I think I think your analysis of this, and again, I cannot say for sure, I do not know your wife, but I think your analysis of this sounds pretty doggone accurate to me, my friend. And so what you can hope for, and if you're a religious fan, pray for, is that at some point she begins to find her true self again. If she starts coming back in that direction, then all this can turn around the other way again. I mean, really. 
yeah. it actually can. Even after she says all these mean, terrible things to you, it actually can go the other way. And I surely hope and pray that you do. Okay, one last word of advice, David. You've learned a lot in the last year. You're obviously an extremely intelligent man, and I'm impressed with that. Just be careful that you don't think you know more than you know and wind up doing something because you think you've got it all together because you've been learning so much. Uh, you understand what I'm saying here? Still be humble. Still be like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a learner. I'm going to keep doing this because none of us ever has all the answers. But my assessment is I think you're dead on. Well, my heart is with you, my friend. The problem at this point is she seems resolved that Hill's dug in not to come back, not to change. She's not getting help. She's not seeing a therapist. She's refusing yeah. counseling from but, the beginning. But you can't force uh, any of that, David. You can't make those uh, things happen. So well, since you watch so many things, just keep learning and keep trying to be that safe place, my friend. Unfortunately, I've got a whole bunch of other callers here, David. But I think, well, understand what she says. Listen to her. But it doesn't sound to me like those things are true. Okay. Well, I know you may not be able to deal with this now. I don't know if you could put this down as a podcast suggestion, but talking with the kids, I really don't know. That was one clarification I wanted to get to of how to deal with. The kids don't know about the relationship. I have kept that hidden and Mm -hmm. uh, trying not to hurt them, hoping she would change. And if it ends in divorce, I really don't. I feel like they need to know, but I, I'm not trying to cause more damage. I, I just don't know how to right. deal with that. So At some point, you definitely, there's definitely going to have to be some conversation with these kids. These kids are grown. And, yeah, yeah this conversation definitely has to take place. I'll see if I can get back to that before the end of the program. It's just right now I've got so many okay. callers waiting on here. Yes, sir. But thank yes, you, sir. David. Take yeah, care, my you, friend. Thank you, Dr. Bean. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Okay. All right. My heart is with him. And I will say one quick thing about that. Sometimes you really do need to have a conversation with the kids. And the way you do that conversation really is highly dependent upon whether or not your spouse will participate in the conversation and the great, if at all possible, you do want that to happen. And the other is, of course, being age appropriate based on their, you know, how the kids are, but his kids have grown. And now we're going to go from Alabama all the way up to Massachusetts, I believe. Is that right? Amy, is that where you are, Massachusetts? That's where I am, Dr. Joe. Okay. How may I help you today? Um, My husband and I had attended your three-day seminar um, two -hmm. weeks ago, Valentine's Day weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. And I met you. I asked you if you were a hugger. (laughs) Um, And it (laughs) wasn't... And you only said for pretty girls and pretty guys. <laughs> yep, that's right. And you um, hugged me because I hug pretty girls. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, it So, first of all, it was an amazing, life-changing experience. Jim Wonderful. was amazing. Um, cannot say enough about it. So, anyone who's out there listening, whether or not you think your marriage can be saved, if you can go, just go. Um I've just been recommending it to everyone. Thank you. Amy. Um, um, so, um, I, you know, I basically told my husband that if he went and he still didn't want to be married to me, mm-hmm. I would, you know, go to mediation with him, which mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a woman of my word. Mm-hmm. I will. Um, so the day, the weekend went amazing. We were connecting. We talked like we hadn't talked in years. Hmm. Um, we drove back to Massachusetts, um, which is a long drive, more yeah. excellent conversations. Good. So the next day I had to go to Florida to bring my daughter, um, to some college tours and pretty much by the time we ended up, we got back, he was talking with me on the phone a lot on Tuesday, a little on Wednesday, really not talking to me on Thursday and Friday I came home and he's like, I already made the appointment for the mediation. I'm still in the same place. I'm done. Mm-hmm. So I, so at this point, I don't want to go through the mediation and I'm, I'm scared. Uh, um, so what, I don't know what to do now. Um, okay. Do I go a couple more weeks? I said, could we please just have a couple more weeks? Um, and he loved the workshop, too. He thought it was great. It was amazing. Um, 
so I said, can I just please, can we go through the after materials, can, mm-hmm. aftercare stuff? Can we do this stuff? And he was like, yeah, we can look at it, but I want to be divorced by June 1st. Do you know so, why that is an important date to him? No, nope, he said he just picked it, and um, he's living with his parents right now. Mm-hmm. And they are going to – they're leaving the country. They go to Greece every summer. That's where they're from. Um, so mm-hmm. they have a house there. And His mother is kind of um, a neat freak, so she doesn't like anyone in the house when she's not home. I see. Um, so he's like, my parents aren't going to let me stay there all summer. I want to get an apartment. Um, and then the next thing he said was that mm-hmm. this divorce is the only way to stop his pain. Okay. Now, did yeah, I hear you say exactly. that you made the deal with him that if he came to the workshop, that if he wanted to divorce, that you would? Is that, is that, did I hear you say that? That I would go through the mediation process with him, yes. Or that you would go through the mediation process. And as you already said, you're a woman of your word. Now, again, I and I, I said this a little earlier in this program, I know that that's just, it is scary. It's terrifying. And and divorce mm-hmm. itself is scary and terrifying. And it's a hellacious process. I mean, I've been through it. it it's, it's terrible. But mm-hmm. please try to think that even if that were to occur, that doesn't necessarily mean that this thing can't be worked out with time. Now, I know people do everything they can to avoid the divorce, and we do everything we can to help them avoid the divorce. But in and of itself, it does not necessarily mean things are ended. We have worked with many couples who, even after the divorce, because they did start talking, and, and that talking is kind of resumed, that they finally got back together again, married each other again, and been married for a long time in this marriage. Um, so I'm not I'm not advocating the divorce and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be afraid of it because I know it's a scary thing. I've been through it. But I'm saying if you can at all possibly do this, don't think of it as being the, the end. I mean, it could be, obviously. But try not to think of it as being the end. You did have some good conversations. Now, if he's got in his mind, I've got to do this because I can't, I've got to have a place to live by June and I'm not ready to work these things out right now with Amy, then that's kind of, becoming a focus for him that's leading him not to think about, you know, how do I do things with Amy? It's thinking about how can I have what I need to have so I can have a place to live come. In other words, I'm saying his focus at this point probably is pretty selfish about how am I going to operate through the summer? And that may be a big factor, a big factor that's keeping him from continuing where you guys started with these conversations. And so if, if you can, Amy, uh, I sometimes realize that I expect I ask people to do the supernatural, and I don't mean to. But if you can, be patient. Don't panic. Uh, you've asked for a couple of weeks for the mediation. That's not going to blow things up for June. So if he agrees, great. Um, but just stay calm. Work through those things. Be be the wonderful you that you are, and be patient and calm and safe. And it may be, it may be that the divorce gets shortchanged because he's not having to worry about, I've got to talk Amy into doing this because I've got to find a place to live. If that becomes a, a less of a fear for him, if that can go away because you say, okay, I'll go up to the process with you. But you keep allowing things to progress if indeed he talks to you more like he did before. Then even if it doesn't get things to where you want them to be by 1st June and the divorce mm-hmm. takes place, I'm asking you not to panic. If you can continue the process you started, I mean, I imagine driving from Tennessee back to Massachusetts and talking to each other. You planted some really good seeds there, didn't you? We definitely did, and I was so hopeful and so optimistic. Mm-hmm. So I was so crushed. Okay. You know, uh, and um, I understand your crush, my friend. I really do. But I'm asking you, if you can, don't concentrate mm-hmm. on the crush concentrate on he's got this other deadline on him and that's kind of affecting this thing right now so i'm just going to be safe warm friendly and hope that some mm-hmm. of those conversations and if you take off the pressure from him because right now he may be thinking ah oh, i've got to push him because i got to get this done by first june because my parents are going off and i've got to have a place to live if you can take some of that fear away from him by saying okay 
if you want to go through the process, I'll go through the process. And then take some of that pressure off of him because he's thinking about where am I going to live? Then that, that may, I can't guarantee it, but that may reignite these conversations. And if these conversations get reignited, I can't guarantee it'll happen by one June. But if you can reignite yeah. these conversations and keep them going, that's the right direction, which can lead to resolution of all of this. It just may not be by a specific date, but it can do that. Are you strong enough to pull that off, Amy? Can you do that? I think I can. There's some days I, I definitely, I'm like, yes, yes, I can do this. And then there's other mm-hmm. days I just kind of feel a little bit hopeless. Um, uh, but he does talk to me when he feels good. like I'm on board with the divorce. That's when he opens up and talks to good. me. And it's so sweet. That's, because it's removing pressure from him, right? I guess so. I didn't look mm-hmm. at it that way. Yeah. Hey, but, look, it's okay to some days think, I can't do this. It's so okay some days to think, man, this is asking too much of me. That's being a human being, Amy. But based on my brief exposure to you, I was pretty impressed that I was dealing with a human being here who really has her act together. That's who I think I, you are. I try. Hey, and Thank it's okay you. if it doesn't happen every day, okay? It really is. Okay. I will try to keep that in my mind. Hey, Amy, in my I'm, I'm, I'm in your corner. I'm on your side, kiddo, okay? You you and everybody at Marriage Helper are the best. So thank you. God bless you all. Okay, thank you, Amy, and God bless you. Oh, my heart breaks for this lady. Well, we're going to go from Massachusetts to Australia. Is this Kate from Australia? Can you hear me? Yes, it is. I Kate, can. Are you hi. There? Yes, Hello. hi. Welcome from Australia. How may I help you today? Hi, so I'm in the Save My Marriage course and you answered my question on what was Wednesday for me last week with lots of disapproving groans about my partner and my common law marriage on Tinder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So the story of how we got together was we were both 21. We went to high school together, but we never spoke to each other. We started, I got a new job and started working with him. We basically got together straight away. We were both broke after five months in crazy limits. We basically got a place together, and I found out I was pregnant five months after meeting him. Uh, I was actually pregnant, and we moved in together before we went on our first actual date. We just sort of spent all our time together. I kind of have concerns now that because of how that went, that maybe if we hadn't, we're an opposite to track couple, maybe if I hadn't gotten pregnant so early on, maybe we just would have fizzled out and we don't actually have the foundation or the compatibility to have actually stayed together this long if I hadn't gotten pregnant and now I'm just trying to revive a dead horse in a relationship. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I hear that, but you know, if, if we were to start looking back and thinking, what if this and what if that, we can kind of, after a while, kind of drive ourselves crazy doing that, Kate, don't you think? Yeah, so it's more of a, if we don't have the foundation because we only stayed together because I got pregnant so early, is there anything to really revive on his end? Mm-hmm. Or has he well, just been staying with me the whole the last however many years just because I got pregnant? You know, I, I obviously don't know your husband and, and can't answer some questions about that. But I do know this, that if two people commit to each other, even if it's because of an early pregnancy, but if two people commit to each other... We have the common law marriage. We never got actually married. We're both... We never actually got married. We're both children of divorce and just sort of saw it as an expensive piece of paper and decided to save our money. Okay. I'm having a little trouble hearing. I want to make sure I'm going to say back what I just heard you say, that that he doesn't want a divorce because you're trying to save money, but that you basically are divorcing. We didn't didn't get married because, yeah, we're both children of divorce. My parents, but when I was nine, my parents were never married to begin with. Um, and he split when he was 12 
so we didn't have really any interest in getting married to anyone at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't specific to each other. It was just in general. Mm-hmm. So what is it that you want, Kate? I just sort of wanted your input, I guess, your view on it. I also have the concern that I've heard a lot of things where he's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy, but he's not a good guy either. Mm-hmm. And I'm really just sort of, yeah. Is You're that willing to Okay, let me make sure I hear it because I'm having a little trouble hearing here. But what I'm hearing you say is that you're willing for this relationship to end. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm looking to fix it. I'm just feeling rather hopeless, like that I'm trying too Hmm. hard to fix something that's not going to fix. Well, I, I don't know whether it can be fixed or not. Do you love this man? Yes. Okay. Do you think he loves you in any way? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like he cares sometimes, but love is a whole lot stronger than that. Mm-hmm. Now, you say you that you're in the online course. Um, how long have you yes. been in the, the online course? Uh, I joined it a bit over a month ago as uh, someone who works full time with two young children. I'm part on most of the way through week three. And the things that you're learning in the course and the things you're doing because of that, is it helping yet? Um, not too much. I've watched most of your YouTube videos and listened to a lot of your podcasts while I'm at work and commuting and things like that. Okay. So I've heard a lot of the things. Okay. My suggestion is if you, if you really want this relationship to make it, remember that only being in the course Mm -hmm. is actually a pretty short period of time. And that the principles that we're talking about, the things that we're recommending and suggesting that you do are things that we say, if Anything works. This will work. That is, if anything will work, this will work. I just can't guarantee that it will. And if you can consistently do those things, then that's the best shot I know about how to help you do this. That course was designed to help the one spouse who really wants the marriage make it when the other spouse doesn't want a marriage to make it. And saying, okay, when it comes to, since you can't change him, the only thing you can do is become the best you that you can be. Because the general principle is that people don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. Now, if I heard everything correctly, you're having some wonders or doubts about, well, maybe he's with me only because I got pregnant so early. Maybe he really has never loved me. Therefore, maybe he won't stay with me and won't love me. But my belief, and obviously I could be wrong, but my belief is that any two people, when they practice the things that we talk about in this thing called the love path, and it can start with just one, which is you, that if you can do that, then if anything will work, then this actually can lead to the love that you're looking for. Now, um, do you have a specific question that I'm missing here, Kate? I'm, I'm having some problem hearing you. I'm sorry. Do you have a specific question that you're asking me that I've missed? Um, no, not specifically. I do also have some other concerns. We were an opposite to track couple. His new Tinder girlfriend that she's been with for two months, they have a lot more in common and they seem a lot more compatible than we ever were. Mm-hmm. He's also set up everything sort of to the point that when I looked at it logically, when he left, he only gave up me. Now, Mm. if he was to come back, I've looked at everything he'd have to give up, and it's a very long list just because of the way Mm -hmm. he's created things. Mm -hmm. How about what you said? Are you worth it? Are you worth it? Everything he'd have to give up? I don't think he would think that. I'm asking what you think. Just me? No. You don't think you're worth it? 
and the balance of him having to give up a new job, all his friends, his life, his freedom, everything else, his new girlfriend, mm-hmm. no, I don't tip the scales. Okay. Well, I can't affect what he thinks, but I surely hope that you start seeing yourself as being definitely worth it, that you would be worth him giving up all of that. If he was to come back to me, he would... If he was to come back to me, he would have literally no friends because he had none that weren't my friends before he left. Okay. All he has now are his girlfriend's friends, I mean, his work friends, who he's poisoned against me. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Uh, I hope that you start saying that you would be worth it, that you would be worth him giving up all those friends and coming back to you. But, you know, I can't tell you what to think or feel. I'm just telling you what I would hope that you would. I don't know how to help you further with this, and unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm at the end of my hour, and I have to go. I am so sorry. If you want to go ahead and um, and, and send in more questions for the calls we have on Tuesday night, I'll try to help you there. Kate, I'm sorry. I feel like I have failed you here, but unfortunately, I'm out of time. I am so very sorry. And for all of you, thank you for being with us for this hour, and I hope you join us again next Monday. And next Monday, we should be on Facebook with the video live again. Until then, Dr. Joe Beam, hoping you have a wonderful life.